Welcome to another edition of Stokes and Folks. I'm your host, Spencer Stokes. And today, our folk that we're joined by is Devin Weiser, who is the former chief of staff to Congressman Rob Bishop and the current executive director of the Walker Institute of uh, Politics on the campus of Weber State University. So uh, welcome, Devin. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. We were just at lunch a minute ago, and we were talking about the fact that um, there's there were only two chiefs of staff in the history of Rob Bishop. And so that, that covered, what, 18 years? Yeah. And how long were you chief of staff? Uh, just under five years. Five years. Yeah. So that means that Scott Parker was chief of staff for, um, what? Yeah. 13. 13 years. Yeah. And um, yep. so, and you started in the office, you started in the office as an intern, didn't you? Yeah. Yep. I interned first. I was at Utah State University and went, went there for a semester in fall of 2009. Okay. That was my first exposure. And then, and then did you, did you leave or did you go on staff? I know you went to law school. Yeah. So I went back. I had, I think I had one more semester to do to finish up. So I went, went home, finished that up and then came back the following year and then started, started a staff assistant and then just kind of. And, and for, out. for those who, um, for those who don't know, um, the staff assistant job is, um, it's the the lowest point on the rung uh, of a congressional office. So when you walk That's into right. a, everybody thinks it's so glamorous to be a United <laughs> States congressman, but a United States congressman has three rooms that basically make up their office pretty much. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, there may be a little ante room if somebody's moved up further up the, uh, you, you had a, toward the end of Rob's career, there was a little, conference room across the hall that yeah that that switched back and forth if uh, democrats were in power then you guys got booted and if you were in power then you you took it back over but we had to pry it from debbie washerman schultz she she hung on to it for months oh really after power (laughs) (laughs) so and how did that go how did i mean did the did the who, who handles that? Is it the Sergeant Arms? Who handles kicking so the, them out? The Speaker's office actually controls all those special extra offices. Okay. So it's directly through their office. So eventually we just had to contact them directly and say, hey, Debbie Washman Schultz's staff is not moving out. Can you intervene? And that was John Boehner at the time in his office. They That's hilarious. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> so, um, but, but a staff assistant is starting at the bottom of the rung. You walk in usually to the center of the three rooms and the first person you see is usually a staff assistant and an intern That's right. um, who's up there mm-hmm. in the front. And so you you literally did every job. You were an intern, staff assistant. Then did you move? What did you do after staff assistant? Yeah, then legislative correspondent. Which is the next rung up. That's the next rung up. And yeah. I think it would be the, the hardest job in the office, especially in a Rob Bishop office, because... He wants to look at every single letter yes, and mm-hmm. make sure that you don't end any sentence in a preposition. That is true. That is something I learned quickly. Yeah. And, and, uh, so it's probably, it was probably, uh, you know, difficult to do that. Um, yeah, he, he is very particular, but you know, I think it's pretty noble actually that he will look at all the letters coming in and going out. Most members of Congress, in fact, I don't know of any other member of Congress that does that like he did that. 
And then, as I understand it, Rob used to um, Rob used to actually take some of the the best the best letters he received and called them. Oh yeah, yep. He would he would kind of some that were a little more specific that would you know just be easier, clearer, just to give them a call. He would do that almost every night during when he was in session out there in DC. And that so. and and that's the beauty of being two hours, you know behind because he could call yep. from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. and it would be, mm-hmm. you know, 5 to 7 p.m. in, yeah. in Utah. Or even 9 to 11 he would often do because it's 7 to 9 here. Wow. And that he often wrapped up his day around 9 p.m. So and then he'd go home and make some calls. There, <laughs> and I can, I can tell you this. I've seen countless letters to the editor that were written over that 18 years by citizens that were shocked mm-hmm. when they had written a letter to, to, Congressman Bishop and then had gotten a phone call from him, which is the icing on the cake to the letter he's going to send back. Mm -hmm. So intern left staff assistant, legislative correspondent, then what? Legislative assistant, then legislative assistant, which is the really the highest, you know, the highest um, spot on the food chain other than chief of staff or deputy chief of staff. Besides legislative director. Oh, yeah. Legislative yeah. director does Which fall in. Yeah. Did you do legislative director mm-hmm. as well? Yep, I did that. So you, you did literally do every job in Except the office. For communications director. Okay. Did, that's, the, that's the one I did not do. So and your, who did you have? Was, had Melissa already left? No. When, so she, well, when I had become chief of staff, she'd already left. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, when I was working my way up there, she was communications director pretty much the whole time. Who were the other communications directors in the office? Was it just Melissa and uh, Lee? Yeah, Lee Lonsberry. So, so when I came back as chief, he had just been hired on like a few months prior. Was Melissa there in the very beginning? No, you know? so I know Cody Stewart actually kind of brought her over when he was executive director of the Western Caucus. She had done, she started there and then... She just kind of gradually worked her way into personal office stuff as well. So she she covered both, and then eventually she just did personal office. Um, but yeah, she was there for many years. So what was uh, were the, what were the lessons learned? As uh, you, so you'd worked all your, worked your way all the way up through the food chain, the ladder. What lessons uh, were learned along the way as you were doing this? Yeah, I th- what sticks out to me honestly is that you no know, job is too small. You okay. Know, like no matter what your level is, like if it needs to be done, you just do it. Especially, you know, if the congressman asks or something, you just or the chief of staff asks, you just get right on it. You don't worry about, you know, what level you are, who should be doing the job. You just you just get it done. That's I think I, I think the most important job in a congressional office are 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 two. The person who answers the phone and the person who greets you when you walk in the door. So when, when Utahns go to Washington, D.C., or when they call Washington, D.C., they really think, you know, that this person works for them. Their staff works for them. Mm-hmm. So in a congressional office, it's a, it's a little bit different because, you know, you, it's such a small office. Everybody can hear yep. everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. So you, you really have an opportunity to kind of train interns and say, hey, don't don't say that or yep. – but no job's too small. And yeah. a lot of people think mm-hmm. that the smallest job is the person who answers the phone and the person who greets people when they walk in. I argue the exact opposite of that. Mm-hmm. I think it's the most important job. Yeah, what, a, what, other kinds of, uh, what other kinds of things were you engaged in when a lot of people don't know this, but the chief of staff, every congressional office and every, every Senate office can designate two people that can mm-hmm. deal with politics 
and and you did a great job helping Rob navigate the political stuff. Oh, thank um, you. Because and and you know I I view that based on how well does does their campaign run every two years? Mm-hmm. Are they good at fundraising? Um, and those things seem to work pretty flawlessly while you were there. Congressman Bishop never ever changed his sign in 18 years. Um, it was always black and blue, uh, which I think is what he thought he felt like, uh, serving in Congress that long being black and blue. Um, I think it was the flag of was like Lithuania, Estonia, Estonia. Estonia. Yeah. (laughs) They have a, the black and blue flag. Mm -hmm. Um, He said he just liked it when he was a kid. And ever since then, he always liked that color. It's shocking that Estonia actually, kept the same flag in that many years. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> From when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, that's true. So did, did, um, uh, what, what was the, what was the angriest you ever saw Congressman Bishop while you were back there? Come on, give us some dirt on Congressman Bishop. I know he listens to this show, so he's going to oh, hear he this as well. Oh, that's uh-huh. good to know. So yeah. It makes yeah. Me change this my is, answer. yeah, this is not one of those things where he's not going to hear it. Okay. He's a faithful listener to the, what, 22 episodes I think we've done. Okay. 20, 24, 18, eight, come on. Our executive producer, <laughs> uh, Connor Sorensen, is telling us only 18 episodes. But I think he's listened to most of them. Anyhow. Okay. Um, so he's, you know, he's pretty even keeled, but he does get angry occasionally. And you can tell because, you know, he starts, he gets a red face and he starts to kind of shake in his chair and you can see a little vein in his forehead. He, uh, even though he denies all of that, he says he never gets mad, but, he, <laughs> um, and mainly, so he didn't really love to fundraise. So that was something I feel like I had to sort of drag him into doing a lot of the time. Um, so often if there were events that he didn't really want to do, he would get, a, he would get a little bothered. No, that, but that's not unique. No member of Congress, likes to fundraise. Right. But I feel like he was especially that way. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say that I would, I would say that, but, but it is, everybody thinks, well, they go back there and they just, they, they get involved with all the special interests and they go out and, mm-hmm. and ask the special interests for money. Yeah. Trust me, they don't want to have to ask special interests for money. Right. It, it's something they hate doing. So mm-hmm. fundraising, uh, what yeah. about, what about during, uh, what about Patagonia? Did he, did he love Patagonia? <laughs> oh, absolutely. This is his favorite company. Um, no, I, yeah, definitely stuff like that would make him upset when they, you know, from his perspective and from many people's perspective, they would just outright lie about the situation when it came to bear's ears. Although one time at a Christmas party, it was a sort of a joint Christmas party between the uh, natural resources committee staff which you chaired right. uh, and the personal office staff. And he actually put on a little show where underneath whatever he was wearing on yeah, as a shirt, he actually had a Patagonia vest underneath. And he, so he started slow. He was up there giving his little speech and he started like slowly taking off his shirt. <laughs> and it was like, Whoa, what's going on? Or maybe it was a jacket. I don't know, but something that was hiding it. And so everyone got a kick out of him actually wearing a Patagonia. A Patagonia. I can't believe he didn't, in his life. he didn't yeah. combust. Right. Yeah. Just yeah. into flames. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. We all thought he would just burn it right there, but he, he resisted. So, 
So Congressman Bishop had two chiefs of staff. As yeah. far as I know, he only lived in two different places. That's correct. One, yeah. one kind of, they were both over on the Senate side. Yes. Um, of, yeah. I, and I call East Capitol the division between the House and the Senate because it runs straight into the middle of the Capitol. Right. If so you were to keep going, you'd cut it yeah, in half. Both yeah. were on the Senate side, mm-hmm. just barely, the, yeah. the first one. Yep. Um, and uh, did... Did he, I, I remember going to a committee hearing once and, um, you know, the committees have pretty strict rules about time, yes. you know, minutes mm-hmm. that you can speak. Yep. And so he, he was the timekeeper, the guardian of the clock okay. and was, and was, <laughs> you could tell he didn't want to do it, but would have to cut off members when they were making a presentation or speaking. Yeah, I think it would depend on the member. Some sometimes he sort of relished it, right? <laughs> cutting off. There yeah, there are a couple that I can think of that were just very that he verbose. enjoyed. Yeah. That, that he enjoyed cutting yeah, off, probably usually, on both sides of the aisle too. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. There were there were some on both sides that irritated him. But I remember going to into the Natural Resources Committee and um sitting behind which is a beautiful committee room. It is. And yeah. behind the dais where the chair sits there was this series of flags mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm like, what, what, what are all the flags? I mean, I was <laughs> expecting to see, you know, a congressional flag, mm-hmm. um, the, the house flag, and the yeah. United uh-huh. States flag, but there were all these other flags mm-hmm. uh, behind the dais, behind the chair. And I, I remember asking him after, Hey, what's the deal with all the flags? Did you, did you just feel like you needed more flags behind you or <laughs> what's going on with, with all the flags? And his explanation was, and you're going to tell what the explanation is. Yeah, so they they are all the flags of all the territories that, that the United States have. So it has, you know, D.C., Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, American Samoa, Guam, and Northern Marianas. So those six flags are behind, and everyone has that same question. And why, and why in the Natural Resources Committee room? Because the Natural Resources Committee actually has jurisdiction over all issues that pertain to the territories. So he's had a lot of fun with that over the years, especially, I mean, you may recall Puerto Rico having some right. some debt issues that he had to deal with. And that was, and complex. it was, it was <laughs> what I, what I like to call the collision of the collision of Rob's. If I remember right. And I think I may have just never uttered it, but thought myself um, who, you know, the biggest supporter of trying to fix everything Puerto Rico was Lynn Manuel Miranda, mm, the yep. the um, author and and uh, you know creator of Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, meanwhile, Rob Bishop is um, putting his foot down on on some of the tough issues with Puerto Rico. And I thought, you know, all it's going to take to fix this because Rob loves musical theater <laughs> is for Lynn Manuel Miranda to show up and uh, start rapping and and uh, singing songs from Hamilton and it'll be all over. Rob will give them whatever. <laughs> Fortunately, That's they true. never figured that out. Uh, and so it never happened. But I thought this has got to be rough on Rob, the, the <laughs> biggest true. advocate for Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he did always feel a little bit cheated that he never got to see Hamilton. That's right. So, you know, but he that, did he right. see it when they came to Utah? Has he seen it yet? I don't believe so. He may or may not have had access to like a pirated copy of he it. He may or may so, not have. Yeah, yeah. I can't uh, confirm. Yeah. But, <laughs> but but I don't know if he's seen it actually on stage. On stage. Yeah. Well, so um, 
when you went, but you did law school. Where did you go to law school? Yeah, I did law school at George Mason University. Okay, and you did it as a night program, right? Yep. Or Yep, so I stayed, yeah, working full-time in Congress during the day, and then it started every night at 6 p.m. and went till 10 p.m. Every least. night? Yeah, the first year is five nights a week, Monday through Friday, and then the second and third year, and I did a, you have to, a fourth year, I guess I did half of a fourth year. Um, it's Monday through Thursday, so you get one night off at least. Oh, they yeah. drop it back. They're so kind. Yeah, so generous. They drop it back one yeah. night. Yep. And That's why, yeah, I always get a kick out of all these people getting their masters or whatever back there. And it's like one or two nights a week. I'm like, uh, you know, that's nothing. The, you know? Yeah. <laughs> now we, you know, it is, you are currently the director of the Olean Walker Institute up at Weber State. Yes. We're going to hold off on all questions, Olean Walker Institute, okay. because I, d I do think we want to invite Leah Murray to come yes, down with you. I love that. Leah is the, I don't know, what, what's her title at the Olean Walker Institute? She is, she is the academic director. And she's incredible. Yeah, she has so much energy, and and all the students just adore her. She's yeah, she's yeah. beloved. Mm -hmm. She's beloved with the students. Yeah. Um, my uh, two of two of my children, well, mm -hmm. all three of my children graduated from Weber State, but two of them had a bunch of political science classes and had mm -hmm. classes from Leah, yep. and they loved they loved uh, the classes that she taught. She's very energetic and yes. and enjoys the topic, and you can tell that in a professor so mm -hmm. and she's, she and I bring you know different perspectives but I think that just strengthens the institute actually no question yeah. no question mm -hmm. so um okay we've talked about Rob's um you know veins uh break <laughs> <laughs> what were some of the other other challenges you faced as chief of staff or he was a senior member of congress what was yeah. his number when he left when do you he, remember oh. I th yeah, I want to say like 87. Okay, so like out of 435, yeah. he's 87, which is um, that's getting up there in the, yeah. in the mm -hmm. and and was the full chairman. Full we've chairman had, and then ranking member. We've yeah, had two two full chairman of natural resources in the course of mm -hmm. 42 years. That's right. So 18 with is that the right math? 18 with uh, Robin, 24 with Jim. Jim. Yeah, uh, I believe so. I believe, and mm -hmm. um, so that's why I tell my friends that are in the legislature when they start talking about public lands, look, mm. we've had the full chairman or ranking member of natural resources twice mm -hmm. and couldn't get some of these public lands issues fixed. So, you know, yeah, can, can it, can it be done? I have no idea. Yeah. What other, what other types of challenges do you think, you know, there will be some person listening to this podcast <laughs> who will go on to be a chief of staff and will relish oh, okay. what you said about, hey, these are some of the challenges you face as, as a chief of staff. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I would, I would tell you the thing that I was least ready for probably was like the HR side of things. Um, you know, I'd had policy experience and, and you know, legislative procedure experience and all that but the uh the hr stuff nobody trained you on so how many just sort of throw you how in. many staff members does a congressman have uh it kind of varies so we had typically uh maybe like 12 plus interns in the personal between, office just, yeah in the personal office and then you know like 20 or 30 depending in the in the on the committee side of things uh which was separate but yes, yeah, so about that between DC and, and our Utah offices. And the chairman hires the uh, staff, staff director. director so he <laughs> he had hired the he'd hired the staff director, and who were his staff directors while he while he was chairman? 
Uh, and initially it was Jason Knox. Okay. He was kind of a DC guy. I don't think he had very many Utah ties. Um, and then he hired Cody Stewart, actually, okay. um, who did that for a couple of years, who people may know that are right. listening. Um, and then his final one was uh, Parrish Braden. Okay. And, and he was, was where did he come from? Uh, kind of a DC guy, too. He'd, he'd worked on the committee for a long time. He worked for a member from Pennsylvania, G.T. Thompson, for a number of years. And now I think he's actually still back there as uh, – Staff director, or yeah, staff director for a different committee. Um, I can't remember which one though. <laughs> did, does uh, what kind of involvement did you have with hiring the staff director? Did, did did you get consulted on that at all as chief of staff? Yeah, Rob and I. Pretty much any decision that he made, we you know there was at least some consultation or interaction. So yeah, we did talk about that, especially not so much the uh, the initial one, um, but because yeah, you the later you may ones. have inherited the initial one, right? Did, no, or so, did you? so Rob hired him actually. Okay, um, but that was yeah before I was you know super involved, and I was also going to the committee at that time. I, I was I went to the committee as a deputy chief counsel for a couple of years. Okay, um, right after I graduated from law school. So you were over on. I didn't know that. So yeah. So you had the experience from a committee standpoint as yep. well, which I probably helped. Yeah. No, it absolutely did help having that perspective in the personal office once I became chief. And um, you know the the chair of the of a committee is i can't remember how many committees there are in the house um, yeah so so out of the 435 (laughs) there's 16 to 18 Mm -hmm. uh committee chairs and so you know being a committee chair is is powerful rob was Mm -hmm. also on the rules committee were you were you there when he was, was on rules? Office. Yep, when okay. he was on rules. And yeah. and that is also a powerful it's different than the Senate Rules mm-hmm. Committee because the Senate Rules Committee really <laughs> talks about where your office is going to be, mm-hmm. how many flags you can have outside your <laughs> office. In yep. the House it's what what amendments will be allowed on yes. the floor mm-hmm. of the uh uh, on a piece of legislation yep. has to go through rules. Yep. Anything that goes to the floor has to first touch rules and they right. have to allow it or not. So and yeah, it is and powerful. so it's a it's a hand picked mm-hmm. selection by the speaker exactly. because they don't want anybody bucking what they tell them. And <laughs> right. it's not too much anyway. Not too yeah. much, but all all of those votes are pretty much party line votes, if I remember right. Yeah, it's very rare for them to break. Yeah, right. Break from their party. Be, oh, for sure. And if you break from your party, you probably aren't going to you lose your yeah, spot. Yeah. Aren't going to stay on rules. How many years was he on rules? Mm-hmm. I guess we could ask him all these questions. Yeah, we'll but have to bring him on. Yeah. I, I mean, a good number, like I would say eight to 10. Yeah, yeah. a long time. A long time on rules. Yeah. So, um, okay, final mm-hmm. final shot on this. Okay. Uh, what what book are you reading right now since you're at a at a university? And have you read the Boehner book? I have not read the Banner book, but it is on my list. Um, can I can I give you a recommendation? Please listen to the audio tape of okay. it, the audio book, audio tape. Jesus, sound like I was born <laughs> in the '60s or something. Uh, um, listen to the audio book because Boehner actually reads it, and it is hilarious to hear him tell the stories and swear, of course, because oh, yeah, he, he does swear. Yeah. I bet he had some color. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He does add color. So what, what book I'm actually reading 1776 by David McCullough right okay. now. Oh really? Which I've read before, but it's, I mean, it's sort of a classic now, even though it's pretty new, it's, it's really well-written talks. Talk, yeah. Obviously it talks about the so of our nation a double, sort of a double reading that that. Yeah. a double mm-hmm. reading of 1776, probably a good idea. Yeah. 
people you know, can read refresh that. Refresh your memory right. a little bit. Right. <laughs> well, th- hey, Devin, thank you for joining us. And um, we've also had a studio audience today yes. uh, with us. And our studio audience member's name is... Sierra Reese, my niece. Sierra Reese, my niece. That rhymes <laughs> as well, Sierra. And, of course, a big thank you to our executive producer, Connor Sorensen. This has been another episode of Stokes and Folks. Like us wherever you get your podcasts. Download us. And you'll hear us again next week. Thank you.